You're listening to the Hive Mind Podcast with Offmentis. paper hi and welcome to the hive mind podcast i am casey i'm sam i'm matt and this week we're going to talk about a few different things some music news yes a featured artist Ooh, we're not gonna tell you about that yet though no hold on i'm, I'm just running just through wait. the the list just wait for it we're also talking about <laughs> uh, uh, we, we how have to some, practice how to practice alone and in a group if you're in a band or you are alone you don't have a band continuing our topic from the last two yes how yeah. to be in a band and not suck how to be in a band and not suck or at least hopefully hopefully yeah if you follow our advice you'll suck less <laughs> you'll suck less i would hope right all right so let's jump right into it with some music news uh travis barker from blink 182 the drummer has been in a car accident <gasps> with the school bus oh no was it his fault it doesn't sound like it. The article says that the bus hit him. <laughs> well, that's he just bad luck. It's the metaphor break. for his life lately. It's cool, but hit by a school bus. So what else has happened to this guy? Uh, he was in a plane crash where I want to say he was the only survivor, but I could be wrong. Seriously? That's like... Yeah, yeah there was another one I heard like about that. Really? Taking off or landing that's or something. Usually like, it wasn't up in the air. There was another well, artist you know. in there with him, and the guy died. And At then, least uh, some... Maybe other people I don't remember. I think you would have fact checked this before bringing it up. Yeah, yeah fuck. No, they can they can do that. <laughs> they got their phones. Google there was a shit. there was a plane crash and he survived. Okay. Google I, I never Travis Barker accidents and look at all the things that pop up. <laughs> Twenty different things. <laughs> Hundred million results. Yeah. Um, then their they had their residency in Vegas that they just started. Because really? Apparently, that's what everybody is doing now. You mean bands moving to Vegas? Yeah. Hang out there for a six-month like, contract thing. Whatever it is where they play like once or twice a week in yeah, Vegas. Yeah, so, so there's actually, uh, it's like a, a conglomerate company mm-hmm. that it's a whole bunch of the casinos that get together and they decide, okay, well, instead of just having bands come in all the time, we're going to put together a special show and we're going to have certain people like, uh, like Jennifer Lopez is leaving and Gwen Stefani is coming in. And apparently Blink-182, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Um, well, they were it's, doing it's it. it's kind of the new thing. Right. Like six-month stints. And Hang it's out all in paid Vegas for. for a few months. Yeah. And play a show. Instead of touring. hotels will comp you a suite. And then... I wouldn't be surprised. They're well, staying on like that. would be like in Reno, Circus Circus, Silver Legacy, Eldorado, all getting together and being like, mm-hmm. we want They're all whoever, Shine Down, to come play yeah. at the Silver Legacy Ballroom. Mm-hmm. And all three casinos will get ticket money split three ways, mm-hmm. but they all pitch in together. That's pretty much what it is. I mean, it's smart, especially for Vegas. They make a shit ton of money. Oh yeah, and apparently that's been doing really well for like all of people. All it's everyone funny involved. How much has changed the last like four years? I know. Now it's there's never a single tour. Mm-hmm. It's like co-headlining all the time, yeah. or for part of the tour. 
Yeah, they switch off, or you know, then they meet up somewhere, and then there's like a they new do band legs. for like yeah, f- mm-hmm. yeah, a few weeks, and then they break off and do something else with some mm-hmm. other band. Um, but yeah, they were doing that. Had to cancel it because he got blood clots in his legs. I think his legs. And uh, that was only like two weeks ago. Really? And now he got hit by a bus. It's just a bad time. <laughs> I think he needs to just give in and die already. Like, <laughs> or change what he's doing. That just he's go back to, to making rap videos on YouTube. <laughs> sure. Whatever it is. He needs to give in to something. That's something. terrible. No, I uh, I mean... What's what do you even do? Have you been in that many accidents? Just like well, look at. Um, is it worse that he hasn't died, or worse that he's lived through all of this stuff? I don't know. I mean, it's not like he's permanently screwed yeah, up. Yeah, he's or so in can't pretty good drums. shape. Considering, I mean, yeah, on. I'd say he's lucky then. That's pretty lucky. Yeah. Well, it's like he's gotta uh, be tired of it though. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> the drummer in town from the electric. Look at all the shit he's been through. Yeah, that's true. He was stuck on a mountainside after breaking his leg hiking. Yeah. Helicopter rescue in the middle of the night. Yeah, at like, you know, three in the morning or whatever. Yeah, almost freezing. He'd been there all day. Oh, yeah. Uh, He was there during the Boston Marathon bombing thing. Oh, yeah. He was running for that. Yeah. Yeah. He was uh, like a block or two away from where they went off. Mm -hmm. And then. like Something a year ago, uh, he yeah. rolled his oh, yeah, fucking he, his Subaru car, into yeah. a tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty nuts. I think it was a Subaru, something like that. Doesn't that guy really part. like Travis Barker too? I like mean, one of his I, I'm sure he does. He seems Emulating like he would. Emulating the life. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's yeah. a bummer. Except he did it first. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry, it's Travis Barker, though. but we're glad that you're alive. Keep playing music. Stop trying to die all the time, man. I mean, apparently he's not trying. It just I hope well, buses I hope are not. hitting him. Yeah, bus yeah. drivers get your shit together. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> well, Dude. you know the age-old thing: bus drivers distracted all the time, screaming at kids. Was it school bus or was it like a school bus? Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't right. no Greyhound. No, <laughs> it wasn't a get behind the yellow line. Do you it think was it was more like, like a, the a bus l- driver from uh, Billy Madison? Madison? Yes, yeah. Billy Madison. Chris Farley. <laughs> I think he just like got pinged in the head with an empty soda can and just got up from the seat and started walking down the aisle while the bus was still moving. Just lost it. <laughs> I will be beat your ass. Kid. <laughs> <laughs> Runs into a car. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. All right. So next, next little news nugget. In other music news. Other music news. Uh, System of a Down. Why is there no new album out? It so because seems like suck. there's gonna be. It still seems like there's going to be whatever they're saying on Twitter. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it without him. I mean, I would be pretty surprised because it wouldn't be System of a Down. Yeah. It'd be pretty lame. Okay. So like, like, like Serge tried to do, well, he did his own two first two albums. He did three albums, but the first two were definitely like, I'm just going to do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. And the third album is like, I'm going to try and be as much like System of a Down as possible for this album. So. Yeah, apparently he's done five records. I'm not paying they've attention stopped. at all. Yeah, I mean... That's too bad. I, I'll have to look for the other two that I don't have. So, System of a Down hasn't put out new music since 2007 or 8? 2005. Two, yeah. Yeah. Really? Okay, yeah, I guess so, huh? And Yeah, right here from Billboard. 
we have we have Jeez, uh, an interview with Darren Malakian, the guitar player from System of a Down, basically saying that we don't have the interview. We read an interview. Well, we didn't interview him, right? But, but I've seen you know, it. I'm We're just trying passing to clear it along. That up a little. We're passing <laughs> it along. There was an interview. Yes, we don't have it. <laughs> where though. he talked about it and why they haven't done anything. And Dermalakian was saying that they basically haven't done anything because of Surge. Yeah, that, that Surge hasn't really wanted to do a new album, and apparently he didn't even want to do Hypnotize and Mesmerize, which was their last record to date. And basically, he's like, "I have a whole album." Ready to go. I'm sure he does. We could do this anytime. Yeah. And uh, Serge actually responded to that, which uh, I'll read a little bit about because he's actually like, it's not, this isn't like a shit show where there's like pointing fingers no, at each other. No, they're just talking about it. Because they still play. Like they still yeah. reunite every, every year or so and play a couple shows and yeah. stuff. So like they get along. Everybody gets along, but they just haven't put out new music. Oh, it's been far too long. So uh, I'll just read through a little bit of this. So, um, he makes a lot of really good points too. Sure. So I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read a good chunk so of it. So quoted from Serge. Yes, a, a quote from Serge himself addressing this whole thing. It says, "So I'm going to attempt to clarify things for all of, for all of our sake, once and for all, hopefully, hopefully, without vilifying anyone in the process. It is true that I and only I was responsible for the hiatus Soad took in 2006. Everyone else wanted to continue." at the same pace to tour and make records. I didn't. Why? For numerous reasons. First being artistic. He wanted to do something that wasn't system of a down definitely related. Yeah. And he's basically saying that he feels like working with the same people for that long was just kind of sticking him in a rut. Sure. I don't really agree with that. Well, no, and honestly, the first two albums that he put out by himself were basically garbage. Right. Um, his second reason, when we first started out, our creative input and financial revenue splits were close to equal within the band. By the time Mesmerize, Hypnotize came out, uh, we were at the diametrically opposite end on both, with Darren controlling both the creative process and making the lion's share of publishing, not to mention wanting to be the only one to do press. So he was making most of the money off those records. and It also sounds like he was doing a good amount of the work though too probably like I mean, i'm sure most of the songs were his sure, ideas, sure. right but i i wonder if then he decided okay even though i'm doing all of this stuff it's for the good of the band let's just split it four ways that they still would be making records right i wonder they would be and that's that's like probably the biggest thing he seems that's to be upset super about sad though yeah, and he kind of addresses it more. He says, I wanted to leave the band before Mesmerize Hypnotize for these developing reasons. This is why I personally don't feel as close to the music on those records. There were songs I wanted to bring in, but was hampered by Annette Promises coupled by my own passivity at the time. Time went by. We all did our own thing. He talks about how he did his solo career, and it kind of helped him come back to mm -hmm. doing shit with System of a Down in a way that where he wasn't well, like burned I was down. saying that that third album in there is is very reminiscent of kind of middle system of down years. right yeah exactly um he continues on to say i wanted to rectify the wrongs of the past and establish a way we can all be happy moving forward so i recommended the following equal creative input by the time i had released five of my own records and was a better songwriter musically and darren was getting better as a lyricist that's true. So I said, 
Each bring in six songs that all band members approve fully of and work on them along with songs or riffs from Shavo, the bass player. Sure. Uh, second, equal publishing split. I personally feel that as a band... Uh, Sorry, let me try that again. I personally feel that a band is an equal partnership and finances should reflect that, which I agree with. Definitely agree with. Because I think there's people that bring in ideas and I think there's people that refine ideas in the band if you're well, doing yeah, every, it right. Everybody has a part to play. Like, no nope. matter what you Bass do. Bass players should always get paid more. <laughs> when you start writing the riffs, Matt. <laughs> no, you bring in an idea that's, that's as good mean, as like, inward, inward singing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you fucking dick. <laughs> it's like no matter what, the the four people working on something like whether whether you're changing something in the song or you're keeping riffs or somebody has an idea and it gets put in, like you're all four putting in the time. Well, just like at any job you would do, right? And the the pay should be equal because you're all all well four however many people in a band are yeah unless in it's work. like flat out agreed that like I am not gonna write anything I'm just gonna show up and play sure and if there's a pre negotiation of like I'm literally not gonna help you at all right then yeah that makes tell me what to play I'm I'll a play studio it. musician yes like, and yeah. and in that case then maybe they shouldn't be in the band and it should just be we're gonna hire a studio like i'm musician sure that's how snell is he writes everything right. and then he pays people but he controls everything that, that band play. does right. because of that yeah. like that's by design on his mm -hmm. end mm -hmm. but if a band starts as like hey we're all in this together there's no reason that through time and through multiple albums that one person should all of the sudden be getting more money especially when you're talking about an exorbitant amount of money right and it's like okay so you got paid five million last year i got paid three and a half million yeah. like this stuff breaks why up not just make it even yeah. because yeah it's it's gonna ruin i mean unless you're going and out and doing and stuff on your own like well, that's what solo projects yeah, are that's for, right? Yeah, that's separate. Well, like, I mean, obviously, you're not going to get cuts of that. Even other stuff. Like, if I'm the only one going out to do press or going out to whatever sure. events. But that's still a conversation, too. Some, right. I know some bands do that because they want to. It's just well, like yeah, some I people mean, don't like sitting and answering the same questions like, for Like, is pretty decent at it. Yeah. So, why not? Like, like, if that's the person that's basically built for that job that's in the band... Then they should be the ones doing it. But if it's he's insisting on doing that, and everybody else still kind of wants to, and well, they're being excluded, that's I, a whole yeah, different. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. It's I, I don't. Like, I don't agree with that. Right. Like if if everyone wants to do it, or if a couple people want to do it, then I think that you know as long as it works, then do it. If it doesn't work, you should be mature enough to have a conversation to say, hey, like this just isn't working out. Right. Uh, I know the Chili Peppers have, with their copyright stuff, for mm -hmm. the longest time, they have equal shares on everything. Songwriting, publishing, everything. So there's never a fight, because they're all working on shit. And if someone leaves the band, then their name's not on that big group line of Right, they get credit. residuals from their own shit. Credited and that's, too and yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that's the best way to go about it. I mean, if you're going to have somebody in the band, obviously... It's not super equal. Not everybody brings in an idea. Not everybody right. But if has everyone the same is working on it, input or output. I guess it's just never going to work that way. Yeah. And at least in my experience, like mm -hmm. 
I've worked on songs that you've written. I've never worked on a song that Matt's really written. That's not true. One. I can think of one song. Yeah. In all the songs. And, and I'm Matt sure Matt writes. It. I'm sure Matt could write. Well, that's kind of his Matt fault. Matt does write. We've got Matt's some riffs in the email. <laughs> yes, there's a whole... Probably would never bring anything in. <laughs> like, right? not good. He play it for five minutes, are, like it, and then go true. back and listen to it and be like, that's bullshit. It's not, not true. There's some, some awesome riffs. Like, yeah. like the, uh, the breakdown riff in after the uh, second verse, or it's the first verse in Hollow. It's all you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's rad. Yeah. So Matt... I Matt, chooses stuff in pepper. Matt chooses yeah. not to bring ideas. I only want you to have a too little often. flavor. That's fine. Not a lot. Which actually is something <laughs> like that we've always, not too Casey much. and I have always like aggressively pushed for Matt to do more. Yeah. Because when he does it, it's awesome. But I think he gets hung up on himself a little bit. I'm better too much. at other things. No, like you're really good at it. PA, you're really good at it. Yeah. Well, but that's what I'm saying. It's like if if your time is better served somewhere else. Then that's I quit. Totally fine. I quit the band. I mean, I, am, the I am the tech guy now. Tech guy. <laughs> but then you don't get creative shit. <laughs> yeah, you, you get nothing. That's fine. I you get a get portion of all nothing. the tech stuff. Oh, here's a really interesting one too. So that those are the first two. Third thing that he wanted says director's cut. Whomever wrote the song makes the final decision after exhausting all types of ideas from anyone within the group. Mm-hmm. I yeah, did this because in the past I'd bring in a song. That would be morphed into an undesirable version that I myself would withdraw from consideration. To him personally, mm-hmm. so that's that's interesting because is it is it he's being selfish because it's serving himself, or is you know, or mm-hmm. is the song getting to a place where where four people made it and it's serving a greater thing like like fans right. rather than himself? Because that sounds selfish to me. I agree with that. Um, I don't think you can bring an idea in and it not change. Well, it's going to unless because four you, people are looking at the same unless, thing. Unless, like you said, Matt, you've basically, you're the foreman and everyone else is under you working for you and that's the arrangement. Hmm. There's no fucking way you're going to bring in any song idea and people aren't going to want to be like, oh, can we change this? Oh, yeah. can you try this thing? And well, that's and the, the nature of creating stuff. We had to stuff. deal with that too because it's really hard to do. Yeah. Everyone used to get offended when you'd want to make changes. Well, like and there's still songs that, that we have, or at least that I have that I brought in, um, that like are finished songs. Well, sort of, but that ended up getting changed, right? That's something completely different. So, well, yeah, and there's there's a lot of songs that we have that like I know that I've gone back on and gone, okay, well, how do I tear this apart and redo it so right. that everyone else is going to be oh happier? Yeah, like like um, the song that I wrote, Unbroken. Right, I had put lyrics. I did. I did vocals. I recorded it. We had drums. Like, there's a finished demo of that song, and that song is now in a different time signature in a different key. Yeah, and it's fear. And fear is a fucking awesome song. Yeah, That's yeah. what that song became. So I think, I think, like I understand him wanting his idea to be served by the group, but I don't yeah. think. He should hold on to it so tightly yeah. that it doesn't change. That seems and like, debilitating for a band. It's our experience, at least especially now that we actually kind of hash songs out before we even really pick up an instrument and start playing, mm-hmm. where we bring in an idea, we talk about it, and everyone kind of gets on the same page. Yeah. But that you still have that like little gray area where people go, oh, what if we try this? Or what if you move this around? Or what, you know? Yeah. So we're at least you're contributing towards a goal that everybody's agreed on. 
Right, I guess. And that seems to have been working out really well for us. We've got some really good songs that way. Yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't change that at all. I think it's some of our best work has come from one person bringing in an idea and everybody else being like, well, I don't like this, or I like this, but not this. Right. And like, like compositionally, we yeah. change it up or add or and take like things away. And like having enough respect or at least enough open-mindedness to be open to changing those things. And yeah. being like... Okay, if it's better, then we'll do it. But if it's not better, then we won't do it. Let's try it and trying all the fucking things that you can think of and yeah. then having a great song at the end. Yeah. A lot of refining. It's a lot more work. Yeah, um, but I mean, you know, why do you think most bands take a few years to, to come up with eight to ten songs, you know? Right. Like, that's just, it's work. And they're working a lot more than most yeah, bands because they're, they're in the studio. They're and they're, hour, yeah, they're doing a day job with that. Yeah. But they do have two really good writers, I think, in their band. So System? I think that would be a decent compromise for them, maybe, to be like, these are our songs. If they're going to split it up as like that. As long as yeah. it's still the original Within idea. The core and I'll idea. serve your songs when it's time for you to bring your stuff in. Well, I mean, and if that's what it takes to get a new album then Great. by all means like, yeah. I, I can't imagine it's going to be the worst thing yeah it might be the worst thing they've done but <laughs> <laughs> like you know it's not it's not going to be terrible i'm sure yeah. so that's the third thing fourth thing was develop a new concept or theme so that it's not just a record but a full experience so it sounds like surge wants something more wants to serve a bigger idea than just the four of them i like jamming. that idea in general it's i think cool. it's I mean, it's a, a good a good Isn't way to go if you're going to do a full album. And memorize a word, though. Um, kind of, sort of. I mean, they were like yeah. politically charged, but and like, they only to a, a point. I couldn't take and any they came system out like album. Six months within. It was pretty quick. Other. Yeah, I can't remember how far. Right, I quick. couldn't take any system album and say there's like an overarching theme, like a one that binds big all the theme. songs yeah. together. It just feels like there are themes in. They there. wrote a bunch of songs that go really well together. Like Hollywood is a garbage place. The government sucks. Right. <laughs> and they do that really well. Sure. But I understand wanting to try something new. Yeah. Um, to kind of finish it up, he says, ultimately, ultimately, I had to draw a line in the sand because I knew I could never be happy going back to how things used to be within the band. And as we couldn't see eye to eye on all these points, we decided to put aside the idea of a record altogether for the time being. My only regret is that we have been collectively unable to give you a new SOAD record. And for that, I apologize. Well, that's nice of him. It's really nice. Still, they Doesn't keep teasing give me a stuff, CD. and it's not. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you guys, just please do something. Yeah, well, stop. They're up there it. with you know tool. Well, at this point, it's been about the same amount of time. Yeah, because Ten Thousand Days came out in like two thousand six. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Just, and, you they know, haven't been telling people they're working on it, so nobody's calling them out. And doing shit. Mm. I mean, it sounds at least like Tool's getting pretty close. But still, not, not going to be for another Maynard. two or three years. Last time he was on uh, Joe Rogan's podcast, yeah, he was like, yeah, they're recording stuff, you know, but they're like taking taking their time. I mean, that's fine. He's like, I'm waiting waiting on them, you know, because I'm not going to write a bunch of lyrics and, and then have it all change. come in and like, oh, the song's been completely changed. Sure. And then I have to go... Write new lyrics. He said he has lyrics for like two or three songs now. Well, that's good, anyways. I think yeah. you just finish one and be like, put it up on iTunes with a pre order and not name <laughs> any of the tracks. And it's just like, look, 
Just, just one. label just it. Just track stop one. Stop bothering us. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> Do you know how many that's people what, would um, buy that? Oh, They'd course. make a million dollars in a Pre-order, day off the yeah. one song. Like uh, that's what that's what Scars on Broadway just did. Like all of the tracks are just track one, two, three, and mm-hmm. and they're filling them in as they, they oh yeah that's coming out soon. Yeah. Yep. Hey, at least we'll get to see him at Aftershock. I am excited for that. Hopefully. Oh yeah, Scars on Broadway. Break up no system. Before. Oh. No, that's right. They've system. been broken up. It's like. You can't break up in a breakup. Well, they're not really even broken up. They're on a hiatus, they're so they're break. just not doing anything new. They still play. Yeah, they're just yeah, not they, writing they new stuff. They're just not writing anything new. So yeah. they're not gonna they're not gonna back out of that because because they're it like one of the only reasons to they, go and they would to get sued so hard. I honestly think them It'd talking so about it in the public will probably make it easier for them to understand each other. Yeah, and there's because they weren't dicks about it and stuff. No, and I can't imagine and they were like you don't just with get each together other most of the time. Yeah, yeah. With stuff they're saying. I got music news. Are we done with this? Yeah. Cool. I got uh, breaking music news. Queens of the Stone Age rage against faced off VIP area at Mad Cool, which I guess is a festival or something. What does that mean? Josh Holm tells security, you're working for me tonight. Well, that guy just continues to be a huge tool, doesn't he? Apparently. Okay. Apparently. So there's this thing going on, and in the middle of one of his songs, he stopped to protest against this fenced-off VIP thing in front of the stage. And told Hmm. security, you better let those people in. I'm not playing until you let them in. You better let them in because you work for me tonight. Well, I mean, he's being... They don't coming? work for him at all. Who's no, the them? Not, Hold on, though. What is security. the situation? Security. Who's the them So there was a fenced-off VIP area, and there were a bunch of people behind it. This is what I'm assuming from what he just said. Yeah. And he didn't want that to be there because it was, like, making it so people couldn't see it or they couldn't get in. No. Even though they already paid and were in. So, like, regular people, like, in the cheap seats are trying to jump into the VIP area to see the show? Probably. Well, either From way. what it sounds like is at the front of the stage, there's a VIP area, whether it was the whole length of the stage, one little section, a section on both sides, whatever. He was pissed off that they weren't letting people into there. I assume they probably weren't VIP. Right. So he told them to let him in. And they did? And eventually, yeah, they did. Well, I guess the show wasn't starting, and they're like, we got a deadline here. Well, no, they were already playing, and then he stopped the show. Oh. So, well, and then, I mean, that's, that doesn't sound as, like, douchey as he's been lately, but still, like, come on, man. And then later, he's talking about still having issues with the security, saying, security, go easy on these kids here. I'll kick all the security out, and the whole place will run wild. Be nice or be gone. It's going to incite a riot at some point. And blah, 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 blah. But yeah, so he was basically pissed off his security being a douche the whole night. Mm. He destroyed one of his own stage lighting thing against, yeah. Well, smashed douchey. a set of their own lights against the stage. He just I didn't know. he just get in trouble for kicking a photographer in the face? Yeah, I yeah. Chick. And was that on purpose though? I still yeah. don't know. He it's said it was on accident. The video? I haven't, but hey. he I saw said the video. it was on accident. It was on purpose. 
he's like tired of her. You saw pictures. him look and go wham right in the <laughs> face and just kept going like so, nothing happened. Yeah, it That's seems like stupid. he's becoming more and more of a douche. Yeah, which is sad. Well, yeah, yeah it is. But yeah, I just read that right now, so I thought I would share that. Well, good I old mean, Josh Holmes. Interesting. It seems like a dumb reason to try and stop a show. It just sounds like you might have been being moody. Well, you've been based on that info, which is not forever. a lot. That's barely an article. VIP areas yeah. are closed off for a reason. Well, like, they are, and people paid more for those. Yeah, do you so know how fucking mad I would be? Yeah, yeah, they'd all be asking for refunds and stuff. I would be. Of course, that'd be like if aftershock we paid like the three hundred bucks or whatever it yeah. is to just be able to walk through instead of walk around. And then they just decided, oh, no, we're just going to let everybody walk through. Yeah, it'd be pretty annoying. Actually, kind of like they did last year, where it was like, oh, buy one day and we'll give you the second day for free because we weren't selling tickets. This year? I tried to get a refund. Did I, you really? Yeah, I called the number. And they and said they, no. Yeah. First they said no. They're like, well, you already paid for it. We don't care. So Pretty much <laughs> that's what they told me. You're coming me. back next year and you're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> See you next year. <laughs> pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. Try again next year. Okay. Yeah, I know they're super sold bad about buying scalping shirts, you know. I don't feel bad for that. As long as the shirt looks good. Mm. I should have bought that one tool one that year. Yeah. It was 10 bucks for a bitchin' tool shirt. And you didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. Most Did you buy a $90 t-shirt instead? Uh, Actually, t-shirt prices were super reasonable. Dude, they're all for 15 They're like bucks. 20 bucks, 15 No, bucks, yeah. the tool ones were like well, more expensive. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. Everyone else's, though. Not expensive. Most yeah. of the bands, except like last year, Nine Inch Nails was there, and I think because he's not under a label anymore and he does all his own shit, it was a completely separate tent. Yeah, yeah, but they still and were his, pretty reasonable. Yeah, it, like he had like the new album cover. He's pretty good stuff about like his that. Stuff. They were still about fifteen twenty bucks. A perfect circle sh- shirt was like sixty dollars <laughs> yeah. for a t-shirt. Yeah. ninety dollars for, for this sweatshirt. super thin, ugly ass. Like yeah, like sweatshirt. our sweatshirts that we sell are nicer than those. Yeah, yeah. This was like hipster sweatshirt, like super thin material. I might as well just wear it as a shirt, kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, ninety dollars. Saw like two people walking around with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. How do you sell any dude? How do you sell anything? I don't know. I and guess you make up for it by how expensive it is. You don't need a lot of people. stuff there too, but. You would buy the wine there. Yeah, and they'd ship it to you, right? They would ship it to you. You didn't Which actually is fine. walk out with the wine. Makes sense because there's no glass allowed in. Somebody yeah. would crack somebody over the head with a yeah. wine bottle and it would be a whole thing. <laughs> but still. Real bad. Oh, jeez. Well, All right. Music news. That was music news. Pretty grim music news. I mean, kind of. like there, There's a little bit of hope for, for System of a Down. Like if they, can, if they can figure their stuff out and come to an agreement, then... I can't imagine we're not going to see a new system album in the next few years. I'm sure I they'll could get there. see yeah. one more new album from them in the next five years. That's fine. But only me. one. And that's it? And they're done? Yep. Well, you know Tool's done after. There's no way they're making another album. No. And honestly, they don't need to. All they got to do is do a short tour once a year, and they all make enough money to be oh, fine. Oh, well, yeah. I do wish they'd put all their music on iTunes, because it's really annoying that you can't just go and buy it. Yeah. That they're not getting the cut of money they want for it, and that's why. That's stupid. Right. 
they make plenty. That's again, it's the same thing. Like, oh, I'm they could make strike a deal where you could dollars, buy it. Three and a half. Like, they okay. could strike a deal with them well, saying you could buy it, but it wouldn't be on their Apple streaming service because not everything on iTunes is on that. Oh, stream. I know. And like, however they want to do it, like I just, it seems ridiculous to me that they're that they're taking stuff off of certain services. Well, and that's today's age. Yeah. Like people well, pay for streaming. Thing. And we talked about that last time. Mm-hmm. About a the law bit. that they're, they're making a new law that might change the way they pay out for streaming services and stuff to artists. Which it's supposed they to be better or for worse, though. It, kind of both. It'll depend on how it goes down. It was passed through one side of Congress, but not the other yet. So, like, it's well, still being messed if around. It benefits the companies it'll pass no matter what Quite honestly, exactly. I think, <laughs> that's basically what it was coming yeah. down to i don't know if they do i don't know how it's set up now but i think those streaming services should have to pay like the ascap fees well they you wouldn't they even pay have them a then. certain amount of they'd of be radio fees. stations yeah they which basically, they basically are. are i mean itunes radio is like literally a thing so right um i mean the streaming services if they just gave a reasonable rate like if they're charging a buck 29 per track normally and it's like, okay, well, somebody streams something, and you get one penny. Like, if, if they're getting enough streams, that's a decent amount of money coming in. I don't know what the percentage is or how much it actually costs to have somebody go through and do the work and then have storage space for that. Because, I mean, I can't... Uh, their storage facilities have to be gigantic. Probably. Or bands should just make it to where they... I mean, it would cost the streaming service millions of dollars, but, like, you rent the music. Well, uh, it used to be like that with, uh, well, it's kind of like that with Apple Music. Like you Netflix, do, you know, the you stuff comes and, and goes all it. the time, but yeah. it's like, oh, Netflix bought Jumanji, and it'll be on there for six months, and then it's gone. Yeah. Like. I mean, that, that'd be all right, except, I, like, music is such a personal thing. It's like, once it's with you, it's with you for your whole life, mm-hmm. you know? I don't know if people would... I don't think I would take to that too well if they just took an album that I like to listen to all the time off. But then basically what it comes it. down to is Maybe, but I would, I would probably already own it. $10 a month important. or whatever it is that you pay for something like Spotify is nowhere near enough to cover, cover all the shit you play. For the amount as that a person for out? that yeah. month, like if you listened to, oh, if you're being realistically charged like per song a buck something, like say it was even ninety nine cents because that's ten like the cents standard. Even, I, dude, well, even I'm just 10. going off iTunes rate. You buy a single song, it's like ninety nine cents. Most of them are, yeah. Most people that listen to streaming, like you would have like a fucking twenty thousand dollar bill by the end of the month. Holy crap! You have no idea. Yeah. 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 yeah well, I've I've downloaded so much music since i got apple music mm-hmm. like it would be an insane amount of money yeah. right yeah so like i understand that they're trying to keep it affordable for customers and then pay out artists as well but if you so you either charge the people more a month which, which nobody will do when they pass the or law that's still probably what's gonna happen or it's gonna become just another version of radio and there'll be ads all over the place no matter what you're paying then i won't pay for it at all right like hulu did hulu still has ads even on the one that you pay for that doesn't right 
Like um, anything certain that's current. Shows, yeah. Any shows that are current and like that episode. And that's according to earlier. whatever agreement between the network and the, their sponsors and yeah. then Hulu. But it's bullshit because the whole reason why it you is. pay for that extra is to not have ads. It is. <laughs> it's really stupid. Yeah. Crazy. But I don't watch most of the stupid crap that's on Hulu anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, we'll talk about that more when we find out if it passes or not and see what it changes. Well, yeah, I'm sure there are going to be tons of press releases and emails that go out that say, here's the new thing. Yeah. I mean, as a band that does make some money off of Spotify, Pandora, and iTunes, I, I'm curious to know yeah. what the difference would be. Ten bucks yeah. every two years. Well, because like, okay, so we have we have three albums on four out al- whatever. I don't care. Um our EPs are like $5 on iTunes. Right. And we see, I think, $2 out of each sale. Hmm. Um, yeah. Should be Through really Apple Music, really? we see almost nothing. We hmm. get we get like 25 cents oh, every month. Through the streaming? Yeah, and the same yeah. thing through Spotify and stuff. It's like point zero 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 three. cents. We should yes. all just every night. Connect your phone to your Wi-Fi. See, the funny thing about that is you can't that do that, and it happens. So there was a band, uh, and they got busted for it yeah, probably totally about four years ago. Yeah. There was a band that did a five to 15-second song of silence and just and played it. farmed out the money from it because yeah. they were paying more at the time, and they were making like... Ten grand a month. Oh, well, you're actively playing making that a track album. that's quiet. I'm saying play your actual song or your... Album yeah. on repeat. Well, well, the way they got or away the with it had to do with repeat. if the song was played for a certain amount of seconds, that's yep. when you get paid, and that was how long the track was. So they met all of their guidelines at the time, but yeah, they got in a lot of trouble for it. Yeah, and it almost—I think it almost uh, took out Spotify or something. So Maybe back a lot in the of day, money. I don't yeah. know. It was right after they had first started and yeah. stuff, but. Well, right. and that's why they have guidelines, and they don't pay out very much. Yeah, yep. exactly. What is our next? We're moving on. We're moving on to our featured artist, and our featured artist is Aaron Mankey from Lore. Aaron Mankey from Lore. The Pokemon. No, <laughs> not the Pokemon. <laughs> I know. That's the first thing I thought of, too, when you said it. Me, too. It's like, oh, man. Yeah, that's the, hilarious. The first time I listened to his podcast, he, he goes, evolves I'm Aaron Mankey. Primeape. And this <laughs> is Primeape. Yeah. And I'm like, that guy's a fucking Pokemon? Yeah. What? Is. So let me tell you a little bit about this guy, because he's a super big podcast storyteller, um, and he has a lot of really cool stuff to offer, I think. So Aaron Mankey is a creator slash writer of the award-winning podcast Lore, and the podcast is about the history behind scary stories. <laughs> Everybody over here is eating food. <laughs> it's about stories, man. We're just we're getting into it. So the history behind scary stories. So folklore from hundreds of years ago. He'll pick a subject and he'll go over like uh, the vampire and where mm-hmm. it came from, what the word means. Tuberculosis. Yes. Yeah, it's super cool consumption. I have heard that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, bloodletting. Oh. He yeah, does it all. They used to think that the person who was in the grave was killing somebody else who was still alive so they would dig up the person they would find that their decomposing rate wasn't right so they would still have blood like in their liver and heart 
Sure. They would burn him to ash, grind him up, mix it with a tonic, and make the person who was still alive and sick drink it. Which would, it would cure it so much worse. <laughs> right. So, and a lot of the stories are like that. Uh, most of most of what you find out is he goes over the legend, and then he tells you the real history behind it, and that's almost every single time way worse. Oh yeah. Than the story ever well, could think made of up being. Stories to cover the fact that it's like pretty bad and they're trying to say it in a way that's sometimes sometimes yeah. like a game of telephone where it's like oh i heard well, this guy too, died yeah. and then they burned him at stake and then someone else goes they burned him at a stake because he was a witch and he yeah. had powers and yeah. so yeah it goes over a lot of that kind of stuff um and this podcast has been out for about three years that's it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's fairly fairly new i guess yeah i mean i remember seeing it going around um like on the top charts a few years ago right yeah uh, and he's still up there, pretty yeah. loud. That's over here eating ruffles it's and ice drinking ice water, water and stuff. I'm trying to be quiet. Well, since you brought attention to it. Wait, wait for you to chew chips. All right. Anyway, <laughs> you dick. Originally, he was an author, a book writer, mm-hmm. and he put out like three or four books. He put out a book called Destiny, a Fairy Tale. They're like horror books. Right? A book called Indian Summer, a book mm. called Consumed, and then a book called Grave Suspicion over right. about two or three years. And horror have you ever heard thing. of any of those books? Nope. nope. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. So as part of, as part of his idea to try and get people to read his books a little bit more he decided he was going to try and do a free giveaway mm-hmm. to buy one of these books i can't remember which one it is but he's the self-published guy so he does all of his own cover art for his books and puts it out there on his own and all this kind of stuff and he wrote a couple short stories or articles on legends from the area he lives in he lives in new new england like near boston sure and uh, he he wrote them all out. It was like three or four, and they were, were pretty long because, I mean, the lore episodes are like 20 to 40 minutes long, mm-hmm. spoken out. And he's writing them out, and he's like, man, I don't think anybody's going to listen to these at all <laughs> or read these at all. Like, just, I'm doing this for, like, basically no reason. And decided, because I guess he had a podcast or was podcasting with this other guy, mm-hmm. decided to, like, record the articles and put them out for a download and sent them to a friend. And he put some creepy piano music behind it to kind of hide the chip crunching, Matt, <laughs> or, Do you know, again. paper shuffling, or, yeah, yeah. you know, that kind of stuff, and kind of gave an ominous feel to it set a tone. the story. Yeah. yeah. And sent it to a buddy of his to check out, and he's like, dude, you should do a podcast. Mm-hmm. And he did he like within like a week of that he had a website up and all this crap and started doing lore and it's just blown up yeah and now he has a tv show he has those articles that he writes collected into book work so now there's a world of lore book series where he's gone over you can get the written version of the podcasts and stuff like that yeah and it's just a lot a lot of good stuff. There's, there's over 80 podcasts now, and I've heard all of them. That's good. And they're super awesome. Nice. They're, their lengths are all over the place, and he covers all kinds of crazy shit. 
They're really not that bad. They're like 15 to some of them maybe a half hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of them were over an hour or like two parts maybe, I think. Yeah. That never bothers me. Mm-hmm. He also does live readings. He goes sure, around and does sure. live podcasts with some of the stories he does. And he has a new podcast out called Cabinet of Curiosities. And they're like eight minutes long. And he takes something like the Egyptian battery and talks about it for a few minutes. He's like, oh, right. this is where this comes from. Isn't that weird? Hmm. Comes so. from Egypt. These clay pots. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Matt, you've listened to his podcasts. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I think they're pretty good. I, his tone of voice kind of gets me sometimes. Yeah. Because he always talks in a real monotone oh, voice to all put, the time. Put it on like, this is a creepy story. Not quite that. No, Not no, no. Like more monotone mm-hmm. sometimes. And it's like the entire time. He, like, yeah. see, I'm in... I'm, his voice is very. <laughs> his voice is really much. passive. Sure. So like he tells his stories, not like with any kind of voice acting. Like it doesn't sound like in a world. Right. It's not that. It sounds like he's reading. He well, I'm sure he is. Because he is. <laughs> yeah. It almost sounds like when you type into Google and have it play back. Interesting. That's almost what it sounds like. I actually really enjoy it personally because I'm usually working or doing something else, and it's, it's nice and relaxed. So mm-hmm. it kind of puts you like in a zen state while you're hearing about all this terrible shit that's Don't happening to people. Don't listen to it when you're tired. You'll fall asleep. Yeah. I actually listen to the lore podcast to go to sleep. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, too, I'll put on an old episode that I've heard before. And then they burn the bodies. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> it's definitely not a boring podcast, though. No, it's just no, very no. mellow. I'm not saying it's boring. And super informative. So the thing that I like... The reason why I chose him this week is because I liked how he focuses on quality. Apparently, mm-hmm. it takes him about 40 hours to do his half-hour episodes for sure. all the research oh, and, and all the editing and getting that stuff together. He has a team now that helps there, there him. There are a few podcasts like that where where it's a couple of guys or one guy that, like, that's their job. Yeah. Like, they work for a company and they, they do all sorts of research and then they spit it out into like a half hour episode of something and mm-hmm. it's like really well thought out yeah and yeah. you can tell you can tell that it's 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 an informative story and it takes you from one point to another right. like you have to sit down and write that it's not confusing it's not boring it's yeah. really good it's a really oh, good nice. quality podcast people like it mm-hmm. it's always something that's like you know it could be the dumbest thing in the world but if it's quality people will latch on to it yeah i appreciate his attention to detail and the work ethic to put out something good because a lot of people don't really do that yeah most podcasts are just people bullshitting about whatever and that can be fun most of the time. and most of the time it is pretty good but you couldn't do that with this subject matter not really no, i mean if you're trying to be educational about it too and it's like yeah. half storytelling half educational like there's fun to be had but only up to a certain point oh yeah because right. each episode has like a topic and he kind of tells you a story about the topic then tells you like a particular instance Mm -hmm. like you know the tuberculosis in 1870 yeah this one person like had it and they talk about this and what they went through and all this other shit and then he brings it like more realistic real life too 
Yeah. So like he, each episode almost feels like it has two parts to it. That makes sense. It's like the storytelling. I mean, storytelling slash and educational. Then, yeah, then that educational yeah. piece. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the second thing I like about him that I find pretty inspiring is how he changed the rules of how people got his work. He's been, he had been an author for a couple of years right. and nobody was really listening to him or heard him mm-hmm. through the book world because he's writing books with a million other people. You know, like he's competing against all these other people who are doing the same thing he is. For sure. Yeah. You know, he's in a horror genre and that's just, there's so much stuff out there mm-hmm. book wise like there's new books all the time man you're gonna get lost oh, yeah. in unless it's pre-teen apocalyptic no one wants right. to even it. that has competition you, you can get lost death. in it the young adults <laughs> whatever right? well young adults divergent up. hunger games but i mean how many like how many different young there's so many young adult books out there right, it's because harry potter yeah yeah. So unless you're first, one. you're fighting if you're not first, you're everybody last. else, right? <laughs> you're not first. So I really well liked how he changed away. the rules yeah. about how to be heard mm-hmm. and turned his writing into a podcast. And yeah. it's done way better than all of his books. Oh, I'm sure. You know, it's very successful. Well, well it's his main gig go. now. Well, he still writes. People consume that kind of stuff in a different way these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, People don't have time to read anymore. To that's sit why down they do and audio read. books. Yeah, audio mm-hmm. books. He talks podcasts. about that. Yeah. He talks that's how he started the podcast. He's like, dude, no one's gonna sit down and read these short things. No one's gonna do it. Yeah. They'll listen to a podcast though. A short story podcast? Yeah. Is this actually reminds me a lot of an author that I really like that kind of started the same way. Like okay. he has books on the New York Times bestselling list, right? Yeah. But people weren't really picking stuff up. So he joined this site called uh, Podio Books, like, okay. kind of like at the beginning of podcasts. So it was like a website you download podcasts for free, um, but it was all audiobooks. Right. So each week would be a new chapter. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was super awesome. And like from there, his whole career blew up, and like he was just releasing all of his stuff for free. He'd record his own audiobooks basically. Oh. And now it's he's gotten. What's the author's kind of name? Thing. Scott Sigler. Okay. I we, see, we can talk I about kept, him. I kept telling uh, Mary that she's writing her book. Yeah. I keep telling her to do that. She should. Like, we have microphones. Yeah, and people to do different voices. Yeah. Yep. It would be pretty great. Yeah. But whatever. But whatever. Those kind of people that chapter innovate like that. would be cool. And find a new way to get something out there. Or yeah, you're breaking out of the the normal mold. Well, and you're by you're not competing against anybody but yourself. Yeah, really, not really. Well, the th- the thing I think about about books is that you're always going to have that core audience of people who get books. Yeah, but they're not really diving super deep. You know, they go to their old favorites, and they're the same people that still go to a library. Right. You know, they're not necessarily looking for something new. He just made what he does more accessible to right. people to that more have people. shit to do, basically. So now it's popular enough that anybody who still wants to just read a book could go seek that out and get the book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like all the uh, actors and stuff now that do books. They Which turn is around so awesome. and do the audiobook for Anything it. Anything like uh, James Franco just did a Stephen King novel. 
Oh, uh, yeah. The I Dead Zone on Audible, really? and it's rad. Super good. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah. That'd be and awesome. And what's his name from Dexter did Pet Cemetery, And yeah, everyone's I, like, I have and I can he just please re-record the Dexter right? books? Because those sound like they were recorded in the 70s, and yeah. they're awful. Well, like, have you listened to the Harry Potter audiobooks lately? Yeah. The quality is pretty poor. Like, he still they're does an awesome great, job. They're not great, but he like, does fucking... The he's sound my quality... Yeah, the sound quality is, is, not, is great. not great. Dude, I was listening to those when they were still on tape. I know, I know, and it <laughs> sounds like they they just took the tape. The you know, audio didn't come out until like it. five years after the book came out. <laughs> I know, <laughs> it's nuts though. Yeah, so if you're interested in checking out the Lore Podcast, all this week we'll be posting a couple of our favorite episodes and just links on stuff of his in general. I got his book. Um, I believe it's. The one on monsters from mm-hmm. the World of Lore series. It's really good. It looks really cool. But you can go to lorepodcast.com and check out all things that Aaron Mankey has done, including his novels and everything else. So mm-hmm. I recommend you check that out and look look out for some of his stories being told this week. On our Facebook. On our Facebook and <laughs> Instagram and all that stuff. So check it out. Yeah. Yeah, we'll post pictures and we'll populate all the things. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. So I will bring this up too, just because Matt mentioned it earlier. I I sent a tweet to the guy because he's on Twitter, and uh, we were talking. I was asking him about uh, a service he uses to get his podcasts out there, and also like, oh, you have an advice for making a good podcast? And Don't suck. Basically, is what he said. It says it's a hard pill to. <laughs> He said, it's a hard pill to swallow, but listeners only tell their friends about a podcast if they enjoy it, and shows only grow through word of mouth. If it's not growing, it's not being talked about. Mm-hmm. So hopefully we're doing a better job. So talk about it, motherfuckers. Well, that's not how you get things talked about, man. Sure it is. You can't be mean to people. Yeah, you, you can't you be like, eh, tell, <laughs> tell people. Have you looked at the media lately? That's all it is anymore, and mm, everyone gets I talked choose, about. I choose to take the better path. And you're do wrong things. for it. Wrong. Yeah. yeah. Well, whatever kind of person you are, red ocean, blue ocean. If you enjoy, if you enjoy Pink what we're ocean. doing here, uh, as we tighten it up and get things a little bit more on point, and try and give Wait. you guys something purple, purple ocean, purple. <laughs> <laughs> try and give you guys something positive and f- inspiring to listen to in the sea of mm-hmm. bullshit that is the media, as yeah. Matt has said. Then do share this with people. We're trying to put something out there that you, that is helpful and that you like. Yeah. And the biggest reason I wanted to redo the format was because of Aaron Mankey and the Lore Podcast being so tightly put together. Mm-hmm. So. And we are still going to do album reviews. We just haven't found one we wanted to review as of late. Not much has come out lately. Right. But the Scars on Broadway album is g- coming out pretty soon. We'll so tackle that we'll one first, that, I think. Yeah. Casey, this year, I think we need... We brought the recorder to Aftershock we last time. We never used it. We never <laughs> used it. I think we need to actually Do some it. band reviews as they... Like, after sure. they're finished. Or stuff. just conversations on the drive there. And yeah. it's usually yeah. the drive home right after after that's when we have the most remember last time we had some guy like flashing his lights and yeah like i don't know why our brights were on for like four or five miles but we were right behind him so he was a dick about it yeah he he was fuck off but uh (laughs) yeah like that that reminds me a lot of of that author i was just talking about yeah maybe i'll bring bring that in at some point yep so uh, i brought in pretty interesting i brought in the last couple people matt and casey will be bringing in some of their favorite artists absent Right. So yeah, yeah. Know. How was your uh, 
your fishing trip. I caught fish. You, I yeah. saw you guys caught a shit ton of crab. Oh, yeah. Caught crabs all over the place. <laughs> mm. I bet you did. Yeah, we went port Did you to bring port. any crab home? <laughs> um, I think my parents might still have some. Damn it. All right, moving on. You moving on. on. Hey, no, I'm talking about his vacation. I know. That's not a part of what we're doing <sighs> here. Next and last for artist people. We are giving you some advice from us old timers. Welcome to the artist corner. If you can't do, you teach. With Authmentis. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be talking today about how to practice by yourself and in a group setting. I think a lot of people struggle with this one particularly. Well, I think there's a few reasons why, too. It's, right. It's Let's, either they, they think there's not enough time or they just practicing can't find by yourself someone is boring. else to, to practice. Or, yeah, it's boring. What, so what are the, what are some of the other reasons why people can't find time? Uh, they don't want they, to. They don't do it. They, they don't, don't want, want to because it's hard. It is and hard. And it's boring. Mm-hmm. And it's tedious. And it's yes. time consuming. It is all of those things and more. Yeah. It is. I mean. But. How often. So let's just take a random poll here. Who. Do you practice outside of our practice? or weekly practice right now. Almost every day. Yeah. How long? Like half hour. Yeah. Half hour. 45 minutes. Okay. Depending on what songs I'm going through or whatever I'm doing yeah. at the time. I typically practice at least four days a week for about an hour. Mm-hmm. Matt? Nope. Matt never practices. <laughs> Why don't no, you practice? I, it's not never. I do no, on occasion. You, you don't do it. I live where we day. practice. I come out and play sometimes. Not really? very often. How? Okay, well, how often would you say a week would you practice and for wise. how long the last like since i've had a kid never <laughs> unless right. maybe she was feeling. asleep <laughs> how come is it because just because it's boring and stuff kid? or just because life because everything in life well i can attest to the fact that having a fairly new baby yeah and practicing good luck and yeah, now she's really walking <laughs> around so, so i like, would not blame anyone for even, not doing it totally. you can't even run to the bathroom to take a leak real fast like, before you come back out yeah. and they're like i pulled the cheese grater out of the drawer yes yeah, so i'm gonna like wipe that. it across yeah. my forehead like oh no <laughs> <laughs> hurry grab it right or, or i found a plug in the wall yes so all sorts of things i mean there's yeah having a kid complicates life doing anyway that stuff yeah so you know, if you have I a new kid and you're like more. having a hard time finding time to practice it's okay it's it's fine you're fine You'll get back. It, it'll come back. But yes. to be honest, I don't really do anything that I used to do. I don't really play video games much anymore. Mm-hmm. I haven't got to paint any of the Warhammer That's stuff. That's true for like a year. For yeah. over a year Just been now. waiting for you. Ready yeah. to go, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, well, let's address why practicing is a good thing then. So that's the reasons why nobody does it. Mm-hmm. It's like working out, right? Everyone wants to in their heart. It's true. Be better. Just give me the pill. But to do it Just for the magic pill. <laughs> to I'll do take it. the magic pill. Or the magic base pill. Mm-hmm. Eight minute base. Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what's what's the good benefits from practicing? Well, obviously, practice will make you a better player, and you should be doing it. I've been thinking about sums it up. You will be a better player. You'll be a better no musician. Matter what. Or whatever it is that you do if you're an artist, mm, visual artist. or I agree and disagree. Okay, why? I agree because, yes, you'll get better, but I disagree on the fact that if you're practicing the same thing, like if I'm only going to practice our songs and I don't try and learn a new technique 
or well, yeah. I don't try and learn some cover songs and then learn, oh, there's this new technique and I want to try and, you know, mm-hmm. right. Like whatever it may be. Well, then you're, you're getting good at what you're playing, but you may not be actually progressing. You're not growing as a player. As yeah. a player. Yeah. Obviously, you have to have something behind practice in order yeah, to you gotta have improve a challenge yeah. or like goal. Your, your actual playing your goals. Yeah. So it could be like, well, I want to be able to play my 20, 20 minute set song after song after song without mm-hmm. my hands cramping up like as a low bar challenge, you know? Sure. And then it could be like, well, I want to play my whole 20 minute set and we'll, add all these techniques that I don't normally do. Mm-hmm. Like you're a guitar player. Oh, I want to sweep in this one part or squeals or whatever it may be, like stuff to spice the song up a little more. Sure. Like So when you practice, what kind of things do you work on? Me, I work on my timing most of the time. Like staying in time, making sure I'm hitting notes when everyone else is hitting notes. Right. Which, for me, makes practicing annoying by myself. Sure. Because it's not the same. No. Like, I'll do it when I know I'm struggling with the piece and I really need to Mm -hmm. work on the piece. Like, uh... Just get the muscle memory down. Whatever that part is in... I can't remember. Just mouth it. Mouth it. Dude, it's it's been so long since we've even actually played. The one song in C that was on the last album. Seraph. Yes. God, dude. You suck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I haven't looked at our shit. I haven't done anything music-wise. We really haven't. So, full disclosure, we haven't done much musically in almost a month. Probably. Well, I have been gone quite a bit. Yeah. It's the constant. And then it shifts up. And then it shifts down. Do you practice it in speed or do you practice it slower? I practice it slow first and then I gradually speed up, gradually speed up to whatever it is we're playing when on the recording. And I was getting better, it was getting better, but then, you know, band shit happened and we haven't played the song in a long time. How about you, Casey? Practice regimen, what do you do? Well, most of the time, I run through songs off the top of my head just to keep them in my head. Right. And then if I'm trying to learn a technique or I'm trying to practice something I don't normally practice, I'll I'll have a uh, I'll have my headphones in, cue up whatever the song is or whatever the piece is, um, and I'll mix. Like, I'll turn it up enough so I can hear it, and right. then turn my amp up enough so that they're mixed properly, you know, and then practice that way over and over and over and yeah, over and see, again. And that's what I normally do. I just plug into the computer, play the track, but then I can turn myself up louder or lower, and right. I usually mm-hmm. turn myself up louder <laughs> so I can hear what I'm doing, and, oh, well, if I'm walking this bass piece during everything else, all it sounds is... Brr, brr, like you can't actually hear the definition of the notes yeah. then I change the way I'm playing it mm-hmm. interesting so when I practice I do I depends on what we're doing if I'm writing a song uh, or trying to marry like a vocal part to a guitar part and their times are different and stuff's not syncing up well I will pick one of the two to learn and focus just on that yeah 
and then I will go and learn the vocal, like it's usually the guitar part. I'll learn it until I can play it while I'm watching TV and not really paying attention to where the muscle memory is like really there. Well, and that's, that's why, like I said earlier, practicing in general, even for, you know, you go half an hour. You so know, it makes a difference. It I makes can a big tell difference. now when I don't practice. Yeah, because your, your muscle memory will save you in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. Like just knowing without thinking yes, about it it where a fret is or, or a chord structure, that's a weird thing that you don't do very often. The more you do it, it just sticks. So yeah. you come back to it, and especially if you're practicing by yourself and you come back and play with a group of people. You're so much better it's, for it. It just, it just kind of slides right in like your fingers just slide into place from a guitar standpoint and we're all basically guitar players here so right like we can't speak to drum parts it's the same yeah. idea it really is learn your it is. You gotta work memory. on your your parts it's it literally like riding a bike yeah I, so i'll learn literally. my guitar part yeah. and then i'll figure out how to put it to the guitar part so if i have notes that hit at the same time vocally as a guitar i start with those and get like anchor points mm-hmm and then I figure out how to fill in the words, the word canter or whatever in between these major points yeah. in the rhythm, and then I'm good. Mm-hmm. It feels like doing algebra and trying to clap your hands at the same time, but then you get a migraine, and then you figure out how to do it, and you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's not like that every time, but... Well, okay, so... We do write some intricate stuff, when, so I do that. When, practice, when, when practicing, what, what are the things that you could do to make it easier on yourself uh just to practice in just general? to practice like to make it easier to practice what you, are the things that you follow guidelines for that you set for yourself to make it easier for you to accomplish even a short practice first thing i do honestly is i have my instrument out where i'm at good call in my living space it's been said by many, see it all many the time. a teacher that if your guitar is under your bed in a case you will never learn how to play guitar Right. Or out in a space, 30 well, feet out, from your house. Away from your house. That's <laughs> totally the so same kind of thing. I actually but bought a guitar in your space. that I could just destroy. Think Anything could happen to this guitar, and I don't really care that much. I bought a guitar for practicing. Is it electric? Yeah. Thank God. I have a red version of my Ibanez SC at Slow home. Clap. Nice. And I actually had to replace one of the tuning pegs. I had to replace all the tuning pegs. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, but then you got to it, learn how to I do was, it. I had my guitar on at home, and I was practicing, and we were cooking dinner, and Danny's <laughs> like, hey, will you come help me over here? You know, do yeah, this yeah. thing? And I'm like, yeah. And like the headstock hit the wall, and it <sighs> bent one of the tuning keys. But I had an extra set, so I just replaced them all. They're way better anyway. That's good. Um, but to have so having your instrument out where you're gonna use it. So Sam needs to practice walking around with his guitar. True, true. Through I don't doorways. think I don't do that. I actually do. <laughs> I actually have really stupid exercises that are things you wouldn't even normally think of. Uh, like mm-hmm. I practice mm-hmm. in the dark sometimes. That's. I mean, I've I've done that for years. That's a definitely a good way to to get that muscle memory down even even more because you're. You, you can't see it. You can't rely on your eyes. Yeah. And when so Tyranny walks into there. the room and turns on the light, do you freak out? <laughs> no. Oh. Damn it. Turn the light off. No. I told you to lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing in here? Don't look at me. <laughs> at least you have pants on. Right. Or do you? I do. I do wear pants, yes. Uh, so I, I use an electric guitar because it's primarily what I play. There's almost... Like, it's good to learn your song on an acoustic, too. It can and how be, to play I, I it. I do have some things to say about that. But it is different. Mm-hmm. So I tried to pick an instrument 
that is the same as when I'm actually going to be playing out because that's what you're going to be used to playing. If you're practicing on one instrument and then you have one that feels totally different, yeah, you're going to have problems. You're going to have problems feeling your way through songs. Well, even, even just the difference in scale between certain guitars. Yeah. Because a lot of guitars are built differently. They feel different when you're playing them. Some stuff's easier to play on a certain model versus others. It's just different. Yeah. And you got to take that kind of shit into consideration. So consistency of your instrument is super important in mm. having it out. I wrote down, practice the way you play. Don't practice sitting down. If you're in a rock band and you stand up on stage, mm-hmm. don't sit down. Yeah. You're going to ruin yourself. Yeah. yeah so stand up. Exactly. So you should, and that applies both on your own and in a band setting. For you sure. should practice the way you're going to perform the shit on stage. Yeah. It doesn't matter if nobody's in your practice space or there's a thousand people on a stage, you should be putting on the same performance. Mm-hmm. And you should be practicing it because if your whole thing on stage is running around like a fucking maniac, but you're not doing that at home, you don't got the cardio for it. That's true. You're going to get tired real quick. Right? You're going to get into the song four and be like, (laughs) come on. Oh, yeah. I last like two songs and then I'm like, (gasps) that's sad that like I'm the most in person here. That's not not a good thing. I still move around. (laughs) Right. I know. Right. We we move around a good amount in practice, not nearly as much as we do live, but there's a different amount of of adrenaline and energy that that you get from playing on a stage in front of You should do it enough in practice to know that you can still play properly. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not saying that's not how it works, but right. But like we move a considerable amount more. Like we're headbanging twice as hard, right? Oh, absolutely. And And that's what I mean. Like you have the adrenaline rush, and you're putting more into that performance. Right. Live. And that's going to happen. But as long as like, uh, okay, so like what, what I do right in practice is like Matt and I headbang kind of in a certain fashion and certain points of certain songs. And that's just kind of how it goes. There are cue points. And even so much as like, where do you start? Do you start with your head back or your head forward? Oh, are you a downbeat guy or are you off the beat guy? So that's something that we've had to work on. And we've we've got a good rhythm down now. I learned bad habits from being in a metal band. Yeah, starting. What's down your bad habit? Bent over, head down first. Mm. Um, not not even necessarily. Downbeat's usually the back. Really? Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. That's weird. Like you got to pretend like your head is the drumstick. One, <laughs> two, yeah, three, four. Well. Well, I'm talking about not like the normal headbang. I'm talking about, you know, where you're like bending at the waist. Well, yeah, I know that's what I'm talking about, too. But we so like we practice that in in group practice, right? Like yeah. we're going back and forth, not necessarily throwing our head to the floor. But the fact that it's like, OK, this is what's going on every time this part comes up and we end up just kind of naturally moving into those things. It's practicing movement. And you, you so that when those parts come up. You know, if you're playing out live or something, you don't even think about it. You just start doing it. Right. Just things like that. It's another part of the show. Because that's one thing people will tell you or won't tell you is when you're watching a band and the two people on the ends are headbanging in time together the same way. Mm -hmm. looks much better than if everybody's doing their own fucking. You got one guy spinning in circles. One guy headbanging, bass player usually just stands there in band and does nothing. And then the drummer's flailing his arms all over the place. It's chaotic and weird. Nobody knows what to do because when you're on stage, you're telling 
the audience like here's what we're doing right now here's what you should be doing right now or here's the beat that you should be following right now it's, mm-hmm. a, right. it's like a whole more in-depth thing but it's all intuitive like you're it showing them be. you're showing them with your body yes what's going on musically yes you're just giving the signal of like look it's big halftime be big and halftimey mm-hmm. as you move right so yeah and that's that's what ends up happening because me and matt are on each side of you so we end up doing that and it's generally together right like i mean you, you watch videos and stuff and like it just has that feel to it yeah so what we're saying is practice the way you play live you got to practice your stage presence as well mm-hmm. whether it's you're in front of the mirror or what yeah. right a mirror actually does help quite a bit because you can see if you're making a stupid face yeah, definitely. Uh, if you can yeah, do that or record, if you can record a practice, you should for two reasons. Uh, video would probably be best. You want to make sure that you're playing with everybody else actually in time. Because uh, we've had a couple drummers that are like, oh, I'm playing in time. And you go back and listen to the recording. Mm-hmm. And you're like, nope, you were off here. And we were trying well, to follow you. It's a train wreck. Like- it happens. Yeah. But I mean, I know everybody's kind of blind to their own things like that. And it's way easier to see it played back mm-hmm. and be like, oh, shit, I am behind here. Yeah, I am Casey likes here. to push. So Casey likes to push a little bit. Matt likes to pull a little bit. Uh, no, and I match the drummer. Because well, you, well, you have to match the drummer. Whatever the you, drummer well, is doing, exactly you match. a good example then. You tend to follow somebody who's driving a beat. And you can tell. Unless they're blatantly fucking up, and then, like, if they're going way too fast, I will continue to play my bass so you sound like shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I know it's a note I always give you when we're in the studio recording. I tell you to play like you're yeah, the one in charge of the tempo. Yeah, and because when, you do, when I play, it's always, always I tend tighter. To fall on the, like, if you're looking at one single note, I tend to fall instead of in the center, I'm a tiny bit late. Right. Because you're following, so it's that point zero one of a second, yeah, right. latency. But with bass, it's very noticeable. Yeah, more and so and than the guitar. It, and it if needs you're to hit when the, the drum hits. It then needs, it sounds better. Yeah. So yeah, when we record, I always have to be reminded to feel like I'm pushing the song because yeah. then I fit right in the pocket with the drums. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's definitely a very fine line of time mm-hmm. and it's just the mind frame like i gotta feel like i'm ahead yeah and i, I noticed that when we're recording if you play harder because we're basically yelling at you yeah then you piss me off yeah then it always goes <laughs> better in fact i just i just showed some people um when i was gone um some tracks off the new record right and they had some very nice things to say about bass especially on fear really because it it is noticeably different and okay. I remember it's louder and yeah. punchier than a lot of other things that we've done. Mm-hmm. And I remember specifically on fear pushing Why, you I'm pretty hard to do that. Um, no, no, it's just like just in, even in the verses, you know, when you're done, mm-hmm. you're hitting those, but you're hitting them just Properly. ahead, right in right in the right spot, and it's it feels heavier and it pushes and there's a nice tone to it Mm -hmm. that's another aspect i think that goes overlooked in practice because i think everyone's so worried about being correct that they're not remembering to feel what they're playing you Mm -hmm. can tell the fucking difference between somebody who's playing 
correctly and somebody who's like putting something behind a part. Yeah. It's that no, extra little emotion. Yeah. A classical music's all about that, mm-hmm. that feeling. Like you can have somebody playing a part, but they can make you feel like, oh, it's I'm. It's like now I'm anticipating this, or oh, it's scary, or oh, it's big, well, or why it's beautiful. Like, you listen to something like, have you heard the planets? Yeah. Yeah. Like it's been played and recorded by tons of symphony orchestras around the world. Some of them are just better because they feel it differently and it comes across differently, even though it's the same notes in the same time. And it is interesting with classical music because there are notes in the music that tell you how you're supposed to feel the part, how Mm -hmm. it's supposed to feel. But there's something about having that emotion behind it that comes through more. I don't see that in any guitar handwritten anything like they they're not like telling you like play this fucking a minor chord kind of moody but sad right? right you don't get that no it's and if you try a and minor say that seven that's sad if there's, you try and say that in practice like there's a little i think people wouldn't yeah. understand at the bottom you. of the page sad, you look at it and face. it says cut self prior to playing <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> right like i don't think rock bands really talk about that they talk about being loud and quiet no, and I, I personally and believe that the emotion behind that's like the first dimension to that feel. Yeah. Is your well, dynamics. rock became mm-hmm. rock because of the emotion behind it. It's like punk. Everyone was angry, so they were all playing loud and chaotic anyway. But that's all they did. Rock, you don't get the you don't attitudes. get the nuance, and you don't get the range of emotion that you do with classical. Yeah, because it was just. I'm angry 100% of the time. And in Rock, it was like, I'm angry about this thing, but... Yeah. Like, I'm not going to scream at you about it. it's kind of sad the way that it's ended up, especially now in, like, modern rock radio. Oh, man. Because it's so pre-planned and thought out and poppy. But you look at the roots of rock and roll, and you go back to blues, where it's like, hey, we're playing the same things. The root? Standard, you know, rhythm, rock and blues, beats, whatever. You know, it's 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 bar chords in a certain structure that go the same way every time for almost every blues song, and it's super emotional, even though they're all the same. Yeah, not they feel different too, but they're they definitely are. It's the same style. Yes, right. So you you get really good blues players, and it's and it's about that emotion behind it that brings everything through and together. Like I know a blues song, and I kind of have an idea of where it's gonna go. Like Mm -hmm. you're gonna have a verse, you're gonna have maybe like a tagline whatever and then a solo and then everyone's yeah. gonna solo and then you're gonna come back to a vocal piece and it's gonna end yeah pretty predictably you know what a blue song's gonna do but like i never get really bored during a blue song and i totally should well there are certain there are certain right? reasons for that and it's because the way that the structure's set up even though there are hundred thousand blue songs that have the same structure of like i think it's four four eight four Right. And they switch up to different things, you know, that we'd have to play some examples. But it's weird because, like, that's not the same case, though, with pop songs or country or, like, I get fucking bored real quick with some of that shit. Or, like, you were saying, some of the rock radio. You're like, oh, I know where it's going. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing different. And they're doing it on purpose and because the industry's changed, but, I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah, that's a whole other conversation. I I think emotion behind what you're doing and while you're practicing in a group or alone makes a big difference yeah i i like to try and take the vocal writing really seriously and the lyrics really serious we ever have it helps put me back in the headspace of when i wrote the song yeah and i can kind of remember 
what I was feeling. So like for me, it's like reliving a memory whenever we play an old song. Oh yeah. I'm like, okay, I need to be in a headspace for this song that's aggressive. Okay, so let's whatever. Let's go there then on our final point of this. I think it is. Um, I do. How do you? How do you practice your vocal parts, both of you? Because that's different than just picking up a guitar and playing guitar or whatever. How are you practicing your vocal pieces? Honestly, right now, I practice while I'm playing guitar. Mm-hmm. So you're singing just like you would practice here? Or are you putting in earbuds, listening to the song, and just singing I mean, that's, and that's focusing? What I do. Uh, sometimes, yeah. and I should do it more often, I'll sit down with a keyboard and pick the notes out. And I will sing it really slowly and make sure I'm matching the notes because I do get lazy and some of the notes are out of tune or they're not even fucking there. Sure. Um, and we'll work on just the vocal part and then try and do it while playing guitar again. It's all about refining stuff for me. So I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. I'm trying to practice in a way that makes it to where if my guitar's cut out and fucked up, I could figure out how to deal with that quickly. Or if I mm. fuck up a vocal part, I know how to come out of it and continue going yeah. you know well, if the after, lights go out on stage and I, the band's still playing i'm not gonna have a problem like mm-hmm. it's all about prepping for worst case and it makes you a better player i think if you can do things like oh i'm gonna play this whole song without looking at my hands see or in i the think dark. that needs to be a portion on one of the podcasts maybe towards the end where we do this corner piece yeah and talk about the emergencies of live performance. Yeah, I like that. We should talk about it next time. Then. Be Breaking next time. strings, <laughs> electrical problems. Yes. You name it, it will happen. Uh, yeah, it will at some point. <laughs> yes. Crazy We've people had interrupting your song. Yeah, literally. Fires. Having fire. Yeah, real bad times. People coming up on stage and getting in your business. Yeah, yeah no security, so you get Yeah, so all around. that stuff's important. Um so how you practice alone should be how you practice as a group, should be how you play life. Yeah. And all, all of those things are going to be different. Like, obviously, if you're not playing in a group and you're playing to tracks or something, when you get in a group, it's going to feel a little weird. But that through repetition of playing with the same people, you start to become more intuitive to what they're doing and their rhythms and then how that all fits together. Well, yeah, like we have probably the most experience with that every time we've been out a drummer it's like guess we're gonna play to our recording tracks mm-hmm. and, and then, then you know it does not feel the same no. no matter how much we try and get into it then yeah. when a drummer comes in but then you got to adapt to that drummer because every drummer is different well and it, they can like, play the exact like same we, song when we played with different. dave it didn't take me very long at all to adapt to to dave yeah right. and to follow him and to trust that he was there mm-hmm. behind us right yeah it took I think me he was probably two months with Jeremy, though, to yeah. like really feel comfortable. Yeah, to finally kind of get into that pocket. To and I think he was having to adjust, was, too. When, when he's going to hit a certain thing, like uh, silences especially, and the length of time in between those and where his count is and not where our Varied. count is, it varies from every drummer. Yeah. You know, but it's... it's well, I think it's he was weird. having to adjust feeling. too, because he's used to playing. He was used to playing in the metal band, you know. Like yeah, where you're just playing stuff. as loud and fast as you possibly can the whole time. <laughs> well, yes and no. I mean, they still had a lot of dynamics well, in yeah. his bands that he was in, but I, I'm using having to adjust <laughs> to the more rock. I mean, we're not like hard rock, but the rock style yeah. of drumming, rather, yeah. you know. Yeah. So oh, it's sure. important to practice. It's. 
its own language. So the more tools that you can learn will make you have more options to be able to play a part. If you only know loud and fast, that's all you're going to be able to do. Mm -hmm. If you haven't explored and tried other things outside of your comfort zone or challenged yourself or something yeah. you're not you're just practicing the same old stuff you'll never grow and you'll never be a better musician for yourself and for your band so it's i think it's really important to develop the skill sets the motor skills it's important to be mindful of how you're playing it in your physical performance it's also important that you emote mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are boring to watch because they're so focused on being perfect oh, yeah piss yeah. me off at a show and then everyone's like oh you're so good Dude, yeah. It makes a big difference. Like when I tried to murder any the amount sound of emotion behind it. Yeah, it makes a <laughs> big difference. But yeah. there's a lot of emotions you can pull from. Most people, especially in rock, only pull from like "I'm happy to be here" or "I'm gonna murder somebody." But there's a whole. I think I'm that's probably the most neglected here. part. Seriously, melancholy to be here. I think it's yeah. the most neglected part of performing a song for people in rock bands is they don't know how to emote in a more complex way. Well, they assume that the emotionality of a song is going to come across. <gasps> I got an amazing idea. Right. What? The song you're going to write or the song that you have written, put an emotion to it. Like, if you were going to make it a Facebook post, what would you what do? Emoji? What's would that you emoji use? would you use? <laughs> like, happy Matt emoji. is feeling happy. Yeah. Playing... It has, it actually it actually is an important it, important thing. Important. And I think that it's is uh, reminiscing <laughs> It would be a days. fun exercise to take a song mm -hmm. and maybe we could do a video of it and just mess with each other and see, okay, well the play the departed, but play it really happy at this oh, part. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, now play that same part but play it really sad. What does sad mm -hmm. sound like? And like develop those emotional uh, emotional range. ranges. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. It'd yeah. be a lot of fun. We should try it. Would that. be fun. You, you should try that at home. Yeah. Range of a the other thing I, I want to talk about goes back to we were talking about you know using the gear, using the stuff that you're gonna like practice what you play kind of thing. Yeah. Or using what you play, and that kind of thing, comes back to also using a, a practice rig, mm -hmm. that is not, you know, a little one by five, you know, crate crappy little amp right like use something that's at least mostly right. comparable to what you practice to that's what i practice with well i mean okay bass is probably an exception unless you're a bass player that uses a shit ton of effects well yeah and obviously that if like, you're gonna I could practice care less about my you should tone have your effects with you and actually playing out of a shitty one speaker sure. like amp that you would get at walmart my tone cuts through way yeah, better yeah. and if you play like shit it's much easier yeah. to hear right and that's what i'm saying that bass is probably the exception mm -hmm. but like for guitar if you're playing on a garbage rig and you're practicing yeah it it's probably makes not a gonna big want to. difference yeah. you're not gonna want to yeah you're certainly not gonna want to because it's not gonna sound the way it should um you're gonna get frustrated because you're gonna be missing things and it's not gonna not feel gonna the same the responses are different have your effects that you use you should basically be practicing on the rig that you're playing on. Yeah. Or Especially you get something that's really similar at your house that's not at your practice space. Yeah, you should have a space for where you're practicing that has all the shit you need. 
the right gear which nowadays is totally demos like if, if you recorded a practice and you're practicing to a track that you recorded a way to play it back so you can you can play to it yeah. if you're in a space that you can't play loud you need to set it up to where you're not going to piss your neighbors off so you can actually get shit done well nowadays there's no excuse nowadays you can have stuff run into some kind of headphones yeah pretty much like yeah you can use the iRig thing and it's not going to be perfect but that the technology work. is good enough nowadays I've where you could get a good enough tone the only problem with the iRig stuff and going latency. through software there is a latency and it's mm-hmm. really annoying yeah and that will ruin you yeah so unless it's like one-to-one playing like don't use rocksmith to practice <laughs> please yeah don't you will never get the latency down perfect enough and right. it will ruin you. So you need you need to have a good place. Like you need to have decent gear. You need to challenge yourself, and you need to really look at every aspect of what it is to play your instrument, and treat it like a language. You want to have a better vocabulary. You have to fucking put in the time and learn it, and be able to communicate oh. your ideas to your other band members and stuff. Yeah, that's the other thing is you should learn the vocabulary. Yeah. Like, like even if you can't read music you should know what an a minor chord is mm-hmm. and where it is on the guitar all over and even if you're not doing it for yourself you need to be doing it for your bandmates because you need to be able to communicate your idea right you yeah. can't just be well, like look i'm I mean. playing this riff now do that that's yeah. what i mean because every person even us now we still have problems trying to explain what we're really looking for in a part <laughs> and the wider your vocabulary is the more you can yeah, because if, if everyone speaks the same language. Know, until two years ago that the fucking quick slide up, slide down on your guitar is called a shotgun. I don't think that really matters, though. It does <laughs> matter. Like, hey, throw a shotgun in there instead of being like, hey, you should do the, the slidey up, you slidey down weird. thing. Yeah. String you know? slide. We do that a yeah. lot. And okay. we just call it a string slide. Yeah. Yeah. But its proper name is a shotgun. Had no idea. Yep. Well, and that's the thing is there's a lot of slang in music too. So, so I might call a technique something totally different than Casey, but I got to be able to explain it to him or show him. You'll save so much time with the misunderstandings if you're on the same yeah, page. Yeah, well, and if and if you're playing in a group of the same people for long enough, you know, everybody'll fall into the same Make it easy slang. on them, man. But yeah, it should come from a place that's like Here's what most people call these things. And you like, want to know bend. what you're talking about. You don't want to be like, this is in 4-4, four, four, and everyone else is like, no, it's in 6-8, bro. You don't that know what you're talking about. Though. I've seen it happen. Well, we've done that before. Right. Yeah. Well, the biggest, like, the top things you should know is you should know basic time signatures. You should know basic keys. And from there... It kind of starts. You need to be familiar with concepts. Band. You need to know what a hemiole is. You need to know what a crescendo is, <laughs> or a rest. You need to know the basic tools. Basically, stuff that you would read if you were reading the music off a sheet, because those are the things that get the whole band together. Yeah. When there's a rest in the song, everybody rests, or everybody but the drums rest, or whatever you know. the case is. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it helps keep everybody on the same page, too. Because then if you're in a band and you need to write out the song, like, we do that when we're writing new songs. Like, you play yeah. this riff. 
riff. Make sure everyone knows what riff number yeah, one riff, is. Bridge, oh, what a riff down, is. Pre-chorus, chorus. <laughs> yeah. And that a riff Second is chorus. not a chord progression. Right. Yeah. It can kind of be. It can if and you're, if the you're being fancy enough. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, it can get really dangerous real quick. And if you don't know what you're doing, you might not be able to add something really cool to what yeah. the idea is. Yeah. So... Mm-hmm. That's a that's a little bit here on how to practice alone in, as a group. There's so much more shit we could cover with this, and we probably will in detail. Get good. Yeah, get good. It's a two-page book. Yep. Right. Read it. Get good. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Done. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Hive bucks. Mind podcast. I hope it was helpful. Check out Aaron Mankey at lordpodcast.com. Lore. I think I said Lord. If he gets enough funding, he'll That's probably a site you don't want to Aaron see. Prime Ape. Mm. Yeah, Prime Ape. It's <laughs> a good one. Pokemon. You got boxes. Lore. I wonder if he would do that. <laughs> well, I have a drawing of him or no, something. No, like Lore, but Pokemon edition. Dude, that would be Dude, amazing. You easily could. Look at all the lore that was behind the... Uh, oh, this is totally nerd now. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it was behind, like, the legendary Pokemon, all the, oh, yeah. the lore that was behind them. I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Go lately. Yeah, like a lot. <laughs> I haven't touched Dude, it. Like trading Pokemon ever since stuff. It, it they got, added so more good. than the original. I'm like, fuck you. It's not that bad though. It, it dude, it's it's actually way it's more fun. It's it's how way many more versions playable. of Pikachu do they need? Just keep the original. I got enough to I keep got one playing. With a, a Santa hat. And, and, and this month, oh, so actual hat. different versions. I mean, how many times can they <laughs> recreate a Pikachu? Not it's just not, Pikachu with a hat. No, yeah, I have those. Pikachu I, you know dressed what? as Japanese uh, Pikachu. So there was an event uh, <laughs> the first first week of July uh-huh. um, where you could get... Like how the commercials were? Where like people would battle each other? No, I mean, that's a whole other thing. But okay. um, And that is a thing now, I know. sort of. They're raid battles and There's cool stuff. But that happened back east. No, I got I got um, No, it's all... I mean, I did one anyways um i got a blastoise with uh aviator sunglasses god damn it it's pretty pretty great <laughs> so asshole squirtle is the one that you got oh yes yeah it's so good from the uh, tv show so asshole squirtle yeah yeah anyway we hope that this helped you out <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to keep it on fuck a track here aaron mankey lorepodcast.com get the fucking practicing yeah. and we'll see you next time yeah so you can evolve <laughs> way to tie it in dude that's so good thank you for listening to the hive mind podcast with authmentis powered by patreon join the authmentis patreon for as little as a dollar and enjoy exclusive content right now that's patreon.com slash authmentis follow authmentis on facebook twitter instagram and youtube And head over to Authmentis.com and join our mailing list today. And be sure to rate and review our podcast on iTunes so we can continue to reach new friends like you who want to find and make great art. And share us with your friends. And finally, if you have questions, comments, or ideas for the show, submit them to info at Authmentis.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.